So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Mmm. Well, that's a nice beer. That is. This is our first repeat beer. Well, we had to come to this point eventually. It's a sad point. I think I'll it have is. to drink some beer to drown my sorrow. Well, should we take another sip? Let's do it. Just in case. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that helps. I'm starting to feel better about this. I feel good. We have two titles releasing in 2019. We're going to do first impressions on. We got right. Kira Knightley's The Aftermath. And we've got Matthew McConaughey, Zach Efron, and Snoop Dogg's The Beach Bum. Is that the correct cast list? Definitely like a best ensemble kind of movie, oh, if you ask me. No doubt. No, yeah. Like, yeah. 2019 is going to be strong for McConaughey. Oh, yeah. The McConaissance okay. is coming back. It's coming hard. The Hawkissance was here. Mm-hmm. It came. It conquered. The McConaissance is, is rolling right back. White boy Rick got it started. and Look out for the beach bum. Give me a uh, Lucky Lotto and a cigar, would you? Sure. You don't sell acid, dude. No. That's too bad, man. Uh... I write poetry. And I like to have fun, man. All right, we just watched the trailer for Harmony Corrine's The Beach Bum. Taylor, what'd you think? I love it. Five out of five. Top film of the year next year. You think? Calling it. It's got potential, No, huh? I'm not serious, but I, I really like what I saw. <laughs> Me too. It looks decadent, <clears throat> extravagant, ton of fun, great cast. Um, this is just a teaser, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. This is, I don't know if this was even a minute long. The official like I got... red band teaser felt like i got all i needed to know i'm ready for it yeah and some crucial details they do not sell lsd at um basically gas stations or convenience stores this is news to me i didn't know that never went in and asked is this a documentary it could be it's sponsored by vice there you go yeah (laughs) yeah i am uh i'm psyched we've never talked about spring breakers before i loved spring breakers did you i I mean it's like a three and a half heart you okay. know, like, okay. I don't empirically think it's, like, a great film. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's a lovely film. Yeah. You know, like, there's yeah. there's some distance between greatness and, I, mm. I think, kind of what Harmony Kareen brings. Yeah. But that yeah. doesn't mean that it's not just as valuable as something that we might pretentiously call, like, a better film. Yeah. It's just yeah. he's working at a lower level of pleasure. Yeah. 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 It might be a fun rewatch when this comes out into compared james franco i think his name in that was alien yes right to mcconaughey's beach bum Um, i am absolutely up for it i would love to change my rating of spring breakers to a five so i'm definitely i think that would be great especially that Mm. and shootout this is kind of a good lead up for uh the world is yours later as well absolutely i thought about that as we were watching it you're totally right a little bit of a I, I mean, when he's holding that joint above the pool, though, like, that's just... Oh, yeah. Similar vibe. Yeah. All right, let's get to the aftermath. Let's do it. Rachel. Hello, Lewis. Oh, look at you. You're... I'm still finding bodies. There's chaos out there. 
house is being requisitioned by the British government. Oh, Michael. We made it. Oh, that's a trailer. What do you think? Very long trailer. I just feel like I've already seen this movie. It's hard not to compare it to Colette, the other Kira Knightley period piece we saw this year. Which was what fine. about Pride and Prejudice? It's been forever since I saw that movie. I was just going to start naming every uh, single Kira Knightley movie. And they just so happen to also be historical pieces. We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll spare them. I'm, I'm too exhausted. <laughs> I think they are too. Yeah, it's going to be a little hard for me to go into this one completely open-minded when I'm already thinking to myself, this is going to be a three. This is going to be a three. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's have... not even open-mindedness, is it? Though, like, I I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think what I'm experiencing is Kira fatigue. Mm. Like, she's yeah. not doing something that's surprising me. Yeah. Um, I had to go back to 2013's Laggies. Mm. to find her be surprising i watched that uh, i think maybe in the end of summer early fall yeah it was a great surprise lynn shelton film yeah um very good but whatever's yeah whatever she thinks is happening when she's giving us these historical pieces yeah is missing yeah yeah i am just dying to see her in a different environment taking on a completely different kind of person um it just feels really familiar um, I think it has potential just to be a little bit more rousing than Colette was. Definitely. But, um, I don't know. I still can't help but be a little skeptical. Maybe not skeptical, but it's just one that's hard to get excited about. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, if mm. this was Domino 2 and mm. Mickey Rourke had a shotgun and they were back on the subway, I'd be all in. Yeah. But this yeah. is Keira Knightley wearing period piece clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're yeah, I mean, like, the just not focusing on Kira. This is an interesting idea for a book. Yeah. But this is never, this was never a story I wanted to watch on film. The, yeah. This type of a story is a very good classic, like, Jane Austen type story where Definitely. family that was uh, victims in World War II comes to Germany to do some sort of a government job, it seems, or a military job. And then they yeah. take over the house of a German. Um, and so it's kind of like they're occupying Germany now. Um, so there, there's like an interesting ethical question where it would be fun to live inside the narrative mind yeah. of all of these characters and see their interplay. Th- that just doesn't translate for me into yeah. film anymore. Yeah. And I think that's what Call It might have suffered from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think if the characters are strong enough, it could... Um you know get me interested but it just looks a little bit too neat or clean for a war movie in a sense Cookie um cutter. yeah it kind of just lacks the grit i well, think well it's not really a war movie either right but you know There's the context is there yeah. yeah um i i think for this to really be grounded in something um in something that I'm that I would feel a bit stronger, I would need something with a little bit more grit mm-hmm. than this is willing to give us. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Unfortunately, we will see it. We will. <laughs> right. AMCA list. Ugh, what have they done? Mm. Now let's talk about a much more pleasing and pleasant film. Let's do it. From a up and coming filmmaker, we have when Jeff tried to save the world. 
<clears throat> it was 1957 when Edgar D. Winkle first stepped into this building. Little did he know that it was to become the place we know and love, Winky's World. Five, four, three, two, one. This is Jeff, manager of Winky's World. Did you wipe the counters? 100%. I will 100% do it in the morning. Insurance isn't going to renew. We are basically a strip mall waiting to happen. Starring John Heater. It's directed by Kendall Goldberg. She also co-wrote the film, and the cinematography is by Nico Aguilar, who is going to be the cinematographer for Charlie Day's upcoming directorial debut and starring feature El Tonto. Mm. which cool. I'm quite excited for. That's like that. estimated to be a 2019 release, so I'll keep my fingers crossed. Got it. Awesome. What'd, What'd you, you think? think? Oh. Ooh. I really like this Repost. movie. <laughs> I get the sense we're on a similar page. I really like this movie. Yes. Same way as well. I did. Um, it was just a, a pleasing pleasure to leisure around with John Heater as he lost some of his pills and attempted to save the world yes he uh he gives it his all um yeah um i thought it was funny i thought it was sweet um the movie itself i think has a really big heart it does um everything it does i think it does sincerely um and i really like the sense of place that it has this is um set in a bowling alley and i think if you had never been to a bowling alley this would tell you everything you needed to know about what a bowling alley sounds and feels like right yes. just some of those montages um him pouring himself the coffee spraying the shoes mm-hmm. um you know shining the lanes um you just get a sense you're like oh yeah that's that's what a bowling alley feels like um it's just a weird textural thing when a movie seems to like give you like what a place can kind of smells like you're like yeah. yeah i'm in this bowling alley yeah like we feel like we know that bowling alley now. Yeah. And I, I generally feel like I know his apartment. But mm. I know his apartment even less than I know the bowling alley. And the bowling alley is this huge, sprawling place. And I really yeah. have a sense for place. Like, I know where the lockers are. I know where, like, yeah. where everything's at. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Absolutely. Um, I liked the uh, retro vibe, right, that we get from the arcade games uh, themselves. Um right from the opening frames you know she's got i think it's lcd sound system who's doing some of that opening music um paired with that you know arcade game um aesthetic which i think um kind of gives it kind of a nostalgic feel Mm -hmm. um but not too indulgent right you know it's not leaning too hard into this being a nostalgic exercise it never becomes an indulgent film which is i had recently watched on netflix uh when Scott Pilgrim tried this, or shit, now mm. I'm blending the title. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. There we got go. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the world, and um, you, you know, by all thoughts, this would just be an exercise in genre. When Jeff tried to save mm. the world in doing that same thing, yeah. But it's not at all. It it kind of does the exact opposite constantly, mm. but it's never on purpose trying to subvert the genre. Yeah, which was really fascinating and, and fun to to see like the same kind of sheeny gloss yeah on top of these normal images and mm. then instead of um you know really going crazy and having 
um, what you would think happen, you know, because he's trying to yeah. save the world. And at one, at a few points, we think that something crazy might begin to happen. Yeah. Instead, they kind of double down on the real world reality. Yeah. And that was nice, and and it was almost more touching that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it gets very real in moments, but I think it never becomes like overly heavy i think it kind of retains a light touch throughout which is really nice um and it's funny there were moments that i i was smiling big and i was laughing out loud um i thought the kid thinking the place is haunted was a great gag oh yes um i i was laughing also the paranoia that comes from him smoking the pot is like part of the joke right oh yeah absolutely (laughs) him calling john heater's character when john heater's in the middle of hooking up with the, his new lady friend for the first yes. time right great moment um yeah I, I i really liked it from um start to finish um jim o'hare great great to see him taking on a role Gary. like that um yeah the, he's putting the pants on it reminded me of this role i don't remember the name of the film but he played like a murderer in the oh, 50s yeah rolling around in this car uh with glasses it was a fascinating film you watched that one too yeah yeah. oh me too yeah yeah we never talked about that one no that that came out what 2015 i think that sounds right yeah Yeah, that was was a great film though and he i can feel kind of pieces of his um performance coming Mm. from that yeah yeah that one won an award at sith oh did it yeah oh that's fun yeah um i haven't had very many celebrity sightings in my life, but that was one where we saw Jim O'Hare uh, because he won, and so oh, he was dude, there. That's a that. big celebrity. Sign. I was psyched, <laughs> but now I'm gonna say it's Jim O'Hare from when Jeff tried to save the world. Oh, Ooh. damn it, Jerry! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we also agreed that Steve Berg was amazing. Definitely, he was this uh, beer, very facial haired up individual oh, yeah. who was hitting on the manager, mm-hmm. who uh, stars in a short for Kendall. I don't remember the name of it, but it's mm. Gloria. Something about Gloria. I think that gal's name is Andy Milo. Mm. The, uh, so that was a fictional short? Yeah, it was like a 10-minute short that has I think all these guys in it. I, oh, cool. So, it might got be it, like a stand-up it. comedy type thing, like all about Nina. But, you yeah. know, better paced and better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, n- yeah, another hilarious running bit, him trying to... Uh, actually hook up with the owner of the bowling alley hilarious yeah and like consistently earnest not just him but this whole film like it's just yeah so earnest from the boots up and you know like there are some melodramatic moments that don't completely come through just because Mm. of the narrative constraint yeah but they pay um they they just are paid so serious attention by the actors yeah that it Mm. becomes real for the movie in a way yep. that another movie like Hearts Beat Loud it never became real for because they mm. kept cutting too too much and we never really got grounded with just one character. It was yep. the dad and daughter duo in Hearts Beat Loud, Nick Offerman, and I don't remember the gal's name. But because yeah. we're spending so much time with John Heater, um, everything that feels that, that would feel clunky in something else feels honest in yeah. a heightened way. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I very much believed in what this place, the bowling alley, Winkies, meant to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's any surprise. I think it's even in the plot summary that he's dealing like with some some anxiety, some stress, some stress and depression. Um, 
and this is a place where he finds some relief from that, yeah. right? Um, we know he's a super smart guy. We, we hear that he, I think, studied computer science. Yeah. Um, he built one of these arcade games himself. So um, did, did all that trick you? Because it tricked me. Because uh, I, I watched, so? like, the one-scene trailer that she had available on her website before we watched it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was like, okay, so this is, he's going to save the whole thing because he's mm. a genius. Yeah. And he yeah. knows how to wire things because he made the game. And yeah. the problem is the wiring. So he's going to mm. save it. And then it know. never came about. And I was like, God damn you, Kendall. You so tricked you, me. <laughs> you fully expected this to be a happy ending for Winkies. Yeah. Yeah. But mm. in like the nor- like there's a stereotypical way that the story would go mm-hmm. um, based on that scene. Right? Like he- this guy has a set of skills. There's a problem. Yeah. There's no way he could ever solve it. He has these very particular set of skills. He's gonna solve it like Liam right. Neeson's. Yeah. No, it doesn't do yeah. any of that. Instead, it it you know resolves some issues that you don't even really care about until halfway through the movie. Yeah, by the end, and yeah. it's yeah, it's just a really sweet flick. Yeah, um, sweet, and um, I thought the romance was really sweet. It um, was. It was honest in a way that um, was surprising. Yeah, just because so many movies aren't honest like that, we'll get to you know burning, which will be Ooh, yeah. totally different um, <laughs> by the end of this podcast. So it, it's a yeah, it's nice to to see reality reflected in a film. Yeah, yeah, um, you know there there are movies where it just feels good to be excited about a couple getting together, um, and I was excited um, from start to finish to see them um, and their their budding romance which i yeah. thought was just very sincere how about um, just like the sincere great word how about mm. how about those sincere very sweet texts at the end involving a certain mm. key involving oh those were great right oh, like those great were finish. those weren't trying to like overdo or or mm. you know signify or or implicate anything it was just like this yeah. really honestly normal sweet thing yeah. It makes me feel like in that world continuing when I had to turn the movie off because mm. it ended, things were going to continue to go nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, simple, but effective. Yeah. Um, yeah. An understated kind of way to tie that out. Um, yeah. I thought it was great. Um, any other thoughts? I mean, mm. she doesn't have any other movies coming out soon, which mm. is very disappointing. Mm-hmm because yep. I would like to, to just kind of stay in these nice worlds. Totally, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I, w- I, I, I wouldn't disagree with anything you've said. I think that um, sort of v- nostalgic vibe I thought was really sort of a sly approach because of one of the themes I ultimately got from it, which is about um, what it means to let something go. Um, yeah, which I think is sort of an uh, an interesting theme to attach to something with a very nostalgic feel to it. Um, that that is, I I didn't really pick up on the nostalgia vibe as strongly. Mm. I I was kind of more in this genre vibe mm. of you know Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm. You know that these types of you know sheeny, glossy, beautiful looking mm. flicks that right, also right. have these stylings to them and instead of leaning really hard into the stylings she went really hard into the heart yeah which was just great yeah yeah i wouldn't disagree at all i think it's part of his fascination with um the arcade game right and his attachment to that 
um, and how that manifests itself in those dream sequences where he's like a Pac-Man or something yeah. like that. To me, that just sort of um, evokes kind of like an 80s kind of feel to it or something like that. That's yeah, what I, I think of when I think does. of Pac-Man. Gotcha. Um, and the Winkies thing itself, it just, it doesn't feel 2018 to me. No, it definitely um, doesn't. It, yeah. it feels like, yeah, a lot, something being lost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you feel him... Um, nervous about losing that and then thinking about what the future looks like um oh, what and... was that great line he had when he was calling everyone um no we don't have any vr games <laughs> yeah great great joke <laughs> great great little uh addressing it within the mm. context of the world and like just yeah. instantly moving on that was a yeah. nice little screenplay touch yeah um and yeah i couldn't help but think that um, knowing he that he is so smart and he hasn't pursued any of these you know fancy tech jobs or um, roles like that that his parents might want him to, um, maybe what he needs to help him kind of let go of this phase since this place is is maybe coming to an end is uh, somebody by his side and that's what he ultimately is maybe going to get with uh, this uh, woman that he meets so he gets to awesome. enter the next chapter um, hopefully with her. Did you get the sense, though, that he hadn't continued that job because it did not um, allow him mental stability? Because I got the sense that he was at the bowling alley for mental stability. No, absolutely. I think it's one of his co-workers who's, who, towards the end, calls it um, a happy place. Yes. Right? And, yeah, I think that is absolutely one of the things that this is to John Heater's character. This is his happy place, in a way. This is what allows him to um take a breath to relax um this is where he's comfortable this is where his family is um but i just think were this place to shut down and for him to have to navigate that alone um would be much more challenging if it were not for this new love interest who i think yeah. is going to be his partner no, um absolutely. you know and his the, co-pilot in in the next chapter and the way that things do seem to manifest themselves by the end in his other interpersonal relationships. I don't want to spoil yeah. it, but there's some other stuff that's happening that's just, yeah, it, it ends and you just want it to keep going. Absolutely. It's it's definitely, yeah. it feels like, I it does feel like a film, but it also feels like a pilot where I want the rest. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, give yeah. me more. <laughs> yeah, or like a TV show that goes backwards that just shows us like what Winkies was like, you know, yes. up until this point. That would be great too. It would, but I could just less hang out with there. those those patrons, those customers. Oh yeah, El Diablo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could I could hang out with him more. Um, well, it seems like a natural stopping point, so we don't spoil anything. Um, Kendall has three films and a docu series in development right now through the same production company that she made this with, Bad Rack Entertainment, mm. which has the nice little bowling alley rack drop oh, yeah. down at the beginning. Um, and When Jeff Tried to Save the World is available on almost all video-on-demand uh, storefronts, whatever you want to call them, digital mm. storefronts. Uh, we checked iTunes, we checked Google Play, Xbox, Microsoft, PlayStation, all got it on their stores. And mm. there might be a few others, but all the big ones got it. That's what matters. You can rent it or buy it. Go buy it. Definitely. So that Kendall can make more good movies. Damn it. You'll want to rewatch it. Cheers. Cheers. Well, you put your gloves on. 
Let's get to it. Creed 2. In the ring, you got rules. Outside, you got nothing. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me, we live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Let's talk about Creed 2. I was very so-so on this movie. Just slightly positive. What about you? I was very so-so on this movie. Slightly negative. Alright, we're kind of in the same spot. Yeah. I think you give it a three, I give it a two and a half. Yeah. Um, maybe just a baseline. You liked Creed 1, correct? Quite a bit. Me too. Quite a bit. Really yeah. strong visual imagery. Um, the I, I don't remember everything perfectly, but I remember the camera timing with the uh, sound design and the punches landing was just mm. very, very impressive, technically. Yeah. And that was one of the things that made me very surprised watching Black Panther. And I just, I didn't like Black Panther. And yeah. I thought it was very poor compared to what he had... Mm shown us um camera wise in Creed mm. with what he was able to do with the sound design and battle sequences mm, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like Black Panther took a huge step back there are some scenes that are okay and some scenes that would be better with different CG or or better CG you know some yeah. of those king fights but th- there's something missing in his continuous work and in this yeah. sequel from uh I don't remember the director's name but I think he's from Ohio Stephen Capel Jr. Stephen Capel Jr.? Capel mm. or Cable? With a P. Capel. Capel Jr. Yeah. yeah, he's from Ohio. That's all I know. Mm. I did not know that. So Interesting. Um, yeah, I would agree. It's, it feels like a bit of a step down in uh, craft from Creed. There's nothing quite as thrilling as some of those single takes that we got in Creed 1. Um, but overall, I think I was um, satisfied with the direction. I think kind of moment to moment, I was with it. And it still kind of got me excited, um, despite not really being all that interested in what actually happens. Mm. Um, yeah, I think this is where we might be able to point out where we completely disagree on mm. where this film went wrong. Got it. I believe mm. I read that you think that Sylvester Stallone's screenplay is bad. And uh, I would say that mm. what's done visually with what the screenplay is given to the director mm. is bad. I, I think oh, that the choices the director made are worse than the screenplay. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. moment to moment, I, I think I was pretty engaged with the movie, but um, I, I thought the movie kind of lost sense or lost sight of what this fight actually means to Creed um, and in turn... Oh, yeah, we never got there. Yeah. But I, I don't... I don't quite know that I would blame Stallone for that. Mm. I I think that there is a huge... Like, by the end of the movie, do you ever feel like you know how he's feeling? Creed? Yeah. Um, No, not particularly. Did you Mm. feel like you knew how he was feeling in the first one? Um, Because I did. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, Mm. like, like, Mm. you didn't always know what was going on in his head, but you knew that, like... Okay, he definitely wants to fight. Like, he, okay, now he's extremely troubled for this reason. He's, you, mm. know, you know, like, the the visual stylings was bringing about what the screenplay was communicating, I think, a lot mm. better in the first one than in this one. Mm. And I would point to the first hour of this film as mm. just being a slog and mm. very poorly framed. 
to be mm. honest. Like it looks good framing wise, but if you think about like what we sh- how much emotion should have been communicated in the first hour, it yeah. wasn't framed correctly to bring me into the world. It was just mm. nice to look at. Yeah, but I don't think that the the stakes were there on the page to ever get me involved. I mean, I think at the start of this movie, I guess what I was largely getting was um, this first being about his creeds sort of ballooning ego and insecurity, right? As this, he's he's the um, reigning champion. Now he's getting challenged to another fight with Drago. He suspects that Rocky thinks he might not be able to do it. He gets defensive. He says, I'm going to do it anyways. Okay. Um, I agree with what you're saying, but you said something... I think you said at the beginning of the film that happens yeah. halfway through the movie. It's pretty much right when Drago actually challenges him, which I, I would consider like the catalyst for the yeah. Rest but of the I, plot. I mean, like, there's the I mean, maybe it was forty minutes that that intro, you know, mm. where they're like establishing everything, uh, and we mm. go for what twenty five minutes, and then he has the fight with the mm. first guy defending his title. Mm-hmm. or winning the title and then he's immediately challenged and then we yeah. go spend some time in russia spend some time with stallone and yeah then that happens and then there's like another hour and a half after that mm-hmm. fight happens right yeah yeah um what was your point just structure wise mm-hmm. yeah try trying to because you said at the very beginning and that like to me yeah the be- first half like first okay. third even yeah um I mean, I, I felt like that's how it's getting its gears into motion, or suggesting career. This stuff is getting to Creed's head. Um, he's getting insecure about losing the title. Yeah. Um, Visually, I didn't feel that. Right. I, I definitely um, took that away, but I didn't feel it. Yeah. Um, and he sort of suggests he wants to do this to honor his father's name or protect his, you know, family legacy or whatever. Um, even though I think the filmmaking is suggesting that um it's his pride that's really getting in the Mm way um definitely and then you know at some point in the movie they go to have dinner with his mom and he's going to tell her that he's actually going to take the fight and she says you know don't pretend that this is um about your father so the movie kind of calls him out you know for um claiming that this is about his dad and then it kind of just lets him off the hook right for what this actually what 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 good reason he has to take this fight it just all of a sudden becomes about him wanting to do it just because he's um because he wants to be a champion i think it completely there's a resolution to that um after the fight right before the next fight in the trophy room with stallone do you think that that's i can't remember that scene um so he gets his orbital bone shattered gets the Mm. shit kicked out of him in the in the first fight with uh drago Mm. right and then he's recouping and then um the mother asks stallone back to la um Mm. and he comes back to la and then he um is waiting in his mother's house in the trophy room to the left of the Mm. doorway and creed walks in looking for his mom and instead he finds stallone in the trophy room of his father. Oh, right, gotcha. And then they're taught they have a, a conversation about what he wants to do with his achievements and and what mm. they're going to mean to him. Mm. And so I do think that it it does later mm. get to that. I don't know mm. that it does a perfect job, 
But I, mm. I definitely think that he goes through that first fight without ever addressing it. And then he addresses it, and then he mm. wins the fight. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I mean, I can certainly look at that scene again to see if it um, helps me get a better sense of what what this ultimately means to him. But, you know, right after he finally beats Drago, Drago? Whichever Drago. one. The announcer says, you know, Creed has finally written his own narrative and I'm like what are you talking about like this has never been about anything other than uh, a fight staged explicitly because of who these people's dads were mm-hmm. um, I like I just don't think it convinced me at all that this um, was important to him for any really good reason yeah I, I that's agree. screenplay um I, I don't that's, think that like that's that the fails to get fault, me to though. care about like that's that, that's a written reason for like why I should care about why what this means to him. Perhaps um, I, I think that I would just I think when I'm looking at it, um, I don't remember those moments in Creed. Oh. I don't remember when Creed had to tell me why things matter. Mm. I just remember being shown them mattering Mm. and i feel like that's the distinction i might be making that Mm. i'm not being shown what matters to him ever Mm. in this movie beyond melodrama Mm. the only thing i'm shown is melodrama tessa thompson's losing her hearing Mm. tessa thompson's playing a show tessa thompson wants to move to la so that she can Mm. play for a different crowd before she loses her hearing Mm. the the daughter being born is death like it's it's just all this melodrama imagery there's not imagery showing me creed's internalizations and i think Mm. in the first creed there were internalization shots Mm. of michael b jordan and i i mean he's an incredible performer Mm. and i i think that there there was a communication left on the table here i i won't say that the Mm. screenplay is perfect yeah It, Mm. it definitely isn't a perfect screenplay but I, I do think that it is also the director's job to show us visual communications of the evolution of something happening without dialogue. Mm. You know, like like these mm. silent moments of Russell Crowe looking over the, the sea in Master and Commander mm. aren't, you know, the these really well-scripted things. Like, he's going to ruminate on this subject. It's just, yeah. Yeah. he's silent and looking, and because of the strong visual style, something's communicated to us by... Uh, Peter Weir mm, yeah. I think that that thing that intangible thing being communicated to us that is even communicated to us in Burning in these silent yep. moments is missing there's the silent moments missing uh, of emotion mm. in this film mm. and I think that I might be so bothered by that that I might not be able to map onto all the screenplay's problems mm. this is <clears throat> fascinating We're, we ended up so close but for so completely opposite reasons <laughs> Yeah, no, I, mean, I didn't like it. No, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just fascinating. I thought some of the individual moments you called, I think, were the most affecting ones for me when he did find out that his his daughter was deaf. I mean, I just thought to myself during this movie that these moments when they cry, I just felt like these actors know how to cry. Um, yeah, I just I, wasn't affected by it. No? Because I, I didn't believe that I was on a journey with them. I thought that I was on mm. a journey watching them. I felt closer mm. to Stallone than I ever felt to any of the other characters. Uh I could see that. Um, I mean, Sloane's a great actor. He w- There's this one scene where he walks in somewhere and, and he 
Oh, it's at the end when he walks in with the son. Uh, Milo, is it Milo Ventimiglia that's playing his son in the film? Is that right? I think it might be. I don't think I know that. It could be the kid or the guy from This Is Us who might also. I, it's uh, Peter Petrelli, Heroes. Mm. Um, he walks in and he's holding his hat and, you, mm. you know, hat in hand, mm. talking to his grandson and his son. And it's just this deeply mm. affecting emotional moment. And it's like, where where was this the whole movie mm. you know where, where i i know that they built that up very very well yeah. but there's this um there's a lack of emotional of me being emotionally engaged with this film mm. throughout that, mm. that i would point to and, and blame visuals more than screenplay because i don't think the screenplay mm. should get you emotionally involved because mm. if the screenplay could get you emotionally involved then you would have been a lot more emotionally involved in Colette you know mm. like, like these things that are really rich in text that have all this mm. stuff going on like I, I do think that you need like a really strong visual eye and a use of close up and, and a strong use of mm. editing um, and sound design in order to create these things mm. and there are such strong moments with the light show oh, with yeah. the very last fight that make me go who directed the first fight because the first mm. fight sucked it was terrible and the last fight was awesome. So, like, what's you know what's going on? I think yeah. that um, if I was to be a little bit unkind, I, I would say that he wasn't prepared for this project in the beginning. Mm. And as it was going, he caught up with the wagon, and mm. then began to pull it by the end. Mm. Um, or you know, the studio came in and offered more help. Mm. Who, who knows? But I think that it really suffered in the beginning, and mm. I just never got on the wagon. That's assuming he shoots in chronological order, right? I don't know. I think that's I think that's hard to conclude. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think we just have to agree to disagree. Agree to I disagree. Mean, yeah, I I was with it minute to minute, moment to moment. Had a good time, and then the second I was thinking about it on the whole, I thought this just um, is entirely forgettable, and I would. Um, watch another light show that this director staged. I'd watch another training montage that he put oh, together. Oh, the training montage was um, awesome. Yeah, that those was were fun. Awesome. Yeah. Um, um, I'm never gonna, like, just love a training montage, no matter how great it is. I don't know that that's the kind of thing that I just look for in a movie. It's mm. a great training main montage, you know? Um, so even that is, They're like... They're few and far between, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Star Wars, you got Rocky. What else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the movie is a combination of all the things. Yeah. We were so-so. I, <laughs> I I think one other point that I might bring up, just so that I can ask you and maybe you can tell mm. me. When you consider, like, um, Francis Ford Coppola's films, mm. um, if he directs a bad movie, not from his own screenplay, mm. are you more likely to lay it all at his feet or the screenwriters because when i was watching this mm. movie i was thinking in, in my head like this is one of the highest grossing screenwriters of all time sylvester Stallone. Mm. he's made a bunch of great movies i from, disagree with from that rambo to rocky two i mean not very many <laughs> well there's how many rambos how many rockies and there's creed a lot but you know yeah. I, I mean, they're not, like, fantastic films, but they're great movies. Like, they're yeah. just fun movies to 
to kick back and relax with or have on while, while you're hosting company or something. And, mm. you know, it's just, it's kind of a crowd. He makes good crowd pleaser films and they're high grossing films. You know, it just because you don't love Avengers doesn't mean that mm. Avengers isn't a high grossing film. It's yeah. a crowd pleaser. Yeah. And I think that um, you have to also consider that. Yeah. Um, so I, I might be not being harsh enough on him because I'm also mm. giving him the leeway of like, well, he made all this other great stuff and mm. he just did Creed's screenplay. Mm. So what's changed? The mm. actors didn't change. Mm-hmm. The writer didn't change. The director yeah. changed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I would describe Creed the way you just described his other movies, um, which is as crowd-pleasing probably gonna make a lot of money one that i would happily turn on knowing it's not gonna offend everybody in Mm -hmm. a room full of 10 people and they would all be mildly entertained yeah which means it's not a great movie no matter yeah whose fault it is definitely um but uh it's this fighting movie is certainly not that good like i'd rather tell someone to watch a prayer before dawn or the wrestler or yeah the what's yeah. the jake gyllenhaal one and the tom hardy one uh joel edgerton one the warrior yeah warrior yeah warriors Good one movie. and then there's another one though right there's another one that came out right at the same time mm. that the, or almost the, the fighter am i just making up words well, the now fighters mark Wahlberg, christian bale also great movie yeah these are all blending together yeah. now all of those are like better than this right mm. that's kind of yeah. the point <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately yeah um yeah, the only other kind of broad idea that came to mind watching this was that I think this was maybe the only, like, sports movie I've seen in a long time. Um, we don't get a lot yeah, of great sports movies. Yeah, I was actually thinking about any. giving you a, a Christmas gift film of a sports movie. Really? I was. That would be interesting. I'm, I'm still considering it. Yeah. I believe it's called Any Given Sunday. It's an Oliver Stone picture. I don't think I've seen that. It's a Cameron Diaz uh, starring picture. I'm intrigued. It's, you uh, have my attention. Yeah, I'd give you the director's cut. I like it. It's about three hours, but it's it's quite the film. Yeah. Uh, consider that, because that sounds interesting. I'm considering it. It's a strong consideration. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about how few and far between really good sports movies um, there are anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, boxing, I think, is uniquely cinematic because it's pretty easy to shoot right you have a confined space a relatively small space that that a camera can move around relative to like a football field right you have one two people yeah Um, i I mean as far as locomotion mm -hmm. it's easy but like you know what a prayer before dawn did camera wise and what this did are not in the same league a prayer before dawn Mm -hmm. was otherworldly and how close you got to the hits Mm -hmm. landing and and communicating the bodily damage this was mm. just like really loud punch sound effects and mm. then cool up angles towards lights and down mm. angles and then zoom ins after getting hit on yeah. special effects makeup yeah or like yeah. slow-mo drool going you know like there's yeah. a lot of visual stylings that are happening that might be easier but mm. i don't know that this did something special with the camera did you feel that way um i thought it was solid but nothing particularly memorable yeah um but yeah it just made me wonder like is there ever like when are we going to get like a great auteur directed soccer movie right like isn't that something like particularly challenging um well michael you're a soccer fan i am how often do you watch a soccer game not very often why is that because uh, they're boring. Well, I know. That's why it's hard. <laughs> That's why these guys get paid the big bucks. 
why they're great directors. Um, yeah, it's, we have to call they'd have to call it kung fu soccer, right? There's like yeah. Shaolin soccer or something where like you kick yeah. the ball so hard it gets on fire or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I was I was just ruminating on what it takes to make a great sports movie, and as I was trying to come up with good answers to that, I thought to myself, "Well." I can't even think about very many great sports movies, so it was hard. Oh, really? um, they're all bo- or I th- I thought of so many boxing movies. Yeah, boxing, um, MMA, um, but then there's you know Space Jam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basketball. Never saw that. <sighs> That's a great movie. <laughs> I liked Hoosiers. Um, Gene Hackman movie. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh, the Big Lebowski. Bowling. Yep. Yeah, another one, you know, that's kind of a small space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Wait, I just think does there's... does When Jeff Tried to Save the World count as a sports movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think it does. Holy smokes. <laughs> Connections. Um, oh, what was I about to say? Oh, I was thinking about... Um, this is going to sound like a tangent, but I was thinking about Lean on Pete and how that sounded like such a tired genre when um i was getting ready to watch that the boy and his animal sad animal movie um and how i feel like something about that movie that was really special to me was how it felt fresh um Mm. so i think the sports genre is something kind of similar to me um where i think that's partly what was special about creed one is that it did feel fresh even though there are only so many outcomes to a sports movie um it just makes me like interested to see like what else can be made in the sports genre that yes. would feel really new and exciting. Definitely, definitely. This isn't it. In the a boy and his genre, I also had a consideration that I was going to mm. give you as a gift. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've never seen. I think it was 1979 or 1969's A Boy and His Dog in the no. Nuclear Wasteland with a no. telepathic dog and his boy. I love everything you're saying. Uh, but you don't watch science fiction, so... This sounds pretty it's cool. Tough. It's tough. It's a tough recommendation. Tough call. <laughs> um, All right. So I guess one last conversation about Creed 2 yeah. that has very little to do with Creed 2 is I'm kind of picking up that maybe you don't like him, but do you think that Sylvester Stallone is a true movie star the way that we were talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger earlier? Um, specifically mm. Matt Singer, how Matt Singer kind of considered Schwarzenegger. Um because I, I'm starting to think like he he does have I, the legacy that Chaplin has for America. I think. Mm. Um, Not as a director, what, but as a mm. as a writer and a actor, he is a very mm. important person who you could talk to basically anyone over mm. forty, and they have a very strong attachment to Sylvester Stallone and what he means to American cinema. Mm. Um, I could see that in terms of like sort of his household name recognition i could see it um not just recognition but talent i don't know that i see that i mean i i I, it's it for me it's it's just too hard to compare the influence you know um i mean i think chaplin chaplin's like one of the most influential stars directors who ever lived um he was one of the most famous people in the world when he was born i don't know that stallone's achieved that um i mean we're only a hundred years in the cinema so true true still yeah a relatively young art form um so yeah i think that's um an interesting question especially if you think about rocky as establishing a template Mm -hmm. of some kind and i mean i'm I'm not saying that like i i didn't particularly enjoy rocky 
Hmm. I don't really love those first Rambos. I think that hmm. the the Rambo that I liked the most was the one that came out in, when we were in high school. You remember that one? Like Last of Blood or, or something? Barely. It, it was just an insane bloodbath, and I watched it with my buddy, mm. and we just had a good time laughing and watching people die. You know, I'm not saying mm. that like he's making the greatest art, mm. but I, I do think that what he's provided in terms of Americana, you, you mm. know, like he's not Jeff Nichols, but I, I do think that there's that by ignoring him from the conversation of Americana mm. and a lasting legacy, we're having a huge oversight of mm. one of the top earning screenwriters in American history who's also acted in almost all of his own films yeah um even though arnold's not a, a writer to me that does feel like a really interesting comparison yeah um uh just because of the kinds of movies that they've been in i guess mm -hmm. right they're not in highbrow art films um arnold's maybe done something more sci-fi and action oriented i, well, I guess rambo's um an action film um so yeah i mean i think that is um an interesting comparison um i think we could maybe pitch that to matt singer for his yeah. next you know marathon I, but i mean like <laughs> arnold was desired right because he's mr american stuff like sylvester carved his own path in his own career yeah. and he's basically been completely ignored by hollywood and still continued to forge on by creating his mm. own screenplays where he can work and generating a lot of wealth for companies yeah i, I just think yeah. he's he's i i would like to continue this conversation at some point down the road yeah yeah um it's been a long time since i saw rambo so yeah. worth the revisit I, I think what triggered that was him holding his hat and me thinking about charlie chaplin and like his mm. too big of pants in his hat oh you know, yeah like, that's like there's something there's something communicated to americans about like who someone is mm. based on this costume yeah and they're kind yeah. of doing they're doing some sort of a physical acting style that i would mm. call similar mm. um and that's just interesting you know i'd love yeah, to do modern yeah. times and rambo one <laughs> yeah or um city lights with uh chaplin's most yeah. infamous boxing scene yeah, um, yeah, yeah you yeah. know you know that's fun because now when i think of boxing scenes except for creed one where, I, where we get something like a really long take i think about quick cuts to really heighten each of those punches um that chaplin boxing scene in city lights it's all one take he's hiding behind the ref yep I could maybe see Stallone doing that right? if he was getting nervous. Yeah. I think that is a funny comparison. Yeah. We'll have to revisit it. Yeah. Um, well, let's get to the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and do a refill. Let's do it. Things have a way of escalating out here in the West. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. That man is a wonder. I will just have to see one. Ah, crazy business. We're not talking about Greg Scruggs. The ex-linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. We're talking about The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, a Netflix original Joel and Ethan Cohen film. That's right. The second Cohen Brothers movie we've discussed on the podcast. Yes. The Lesser. Mm. Um, so I, I thought it'd be fun just off the top of your head instead of... I, I was going to text you this morning, but I didn't want you to have a bunch of time to like overthink about it. Ah. What's your favorite movie of the Coens? And then what do you think their mm. best movie is? Well, I have not seen um, even half of their filmography, so I don't know that I'm very qualified to say which is their best. However, I can easily say my favorite is Inside the Wind Davis. Um, 
Whether or not that's better than Fargo, tough to say. Those two would be up there, though. So they'd each jockey for best or favorite? Favorite's easy. It's inside Lewin Davis. Um, but yeah, for best, I don't know. But it'd okay. be between those two. Unsure. What um, about you? My favorite, Hail Caesar. Mm. I think the best is a serious man. Mm. One I haven't seen. And that says a lot because Anton Sugar is not coming up. Mm. You know, mm. uh, Jeff Bridges is not coming up. Mm. Uh, John Goodman is not coming up. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, the, there's so many great films that um, it is fascinating how everyone deviates. Yeah, yeah. Um, would there be any close seconds? Because you've seen all of their movies, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. I'd say No Country for Old Men is definitely oh, number two. I was two like, for why best. am I forgetting one? That would be it. Yeah, yeah, Anton Sugar is what I mean when I say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had to think about who that was. I was like, why do I know that name? Duh. Yeah. The um, the poet, the writer, from mm. Mother, of course. Mm, mm-hmm. Javier. Martin Javier. Ben. Yes. Um, the highest paid working television actor, courtesy of Amazon. That's correct. What project is that again? The Conquistadors? I forget what the title is, but yeah, it is. Uh, I think he plays a Conquistador. Should be interesting. We will be watching out for the show. Mm-hmm. Tell you what. <laughs> All right. There's six parts to this. Um, I think that we probably differ in how we would rank them, but um, I think we both really, really liked Zoe Kazan's um, Definitely. moment. Yeah. Um, that's probably universally like the most agreed upon. I don't know anyone who hated that chapter yeah that that might be my favorite piece of acting she's ever done as well mm, okay i liked her quite a bit in meek's cutoff ironically um very yes. similar she, she was good in that i think that this allowed her more of a character range though it i would agree. the difference there is like not that she's bad but that there's less for her to be great at sure yeah i agree um is that your number one should we do a ranking no my number one is tim blake nelson Okay, we gotta just do the ranking. Okay, right? let me, let me see if uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I had it down on the old letterbox. Did you letterbox log yours? I don't think I put it in my review, but I did write it down somewhere. Ooh, you're I right. Feeling. I might have put it in my keep notes for when we talk. I did. I put it in my keep notes for when we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Boom! I'll go first because I found it. Unless you got yourself, then we'll go line by line. Go for it. All right. Buster Scruggs. Number one, Tim Blake Nelson. Buster Scruggs himself. Mm-hmm. What'd you get? My number one, All Gold Canyon. Which is Tom Waits. My number two, Zoe Kazan and the tri- or the duo of men. <laughs> Very nice. This is a close one, but with number two, I did go with Meal Ticket. Ah, one that I was not nearly as responsible to. Mm. Number three for me, Brandon Gleason's the last one carriage ride yes got it my number three the girl who got rattled so kazan mm-hmm. my number four all gold canyon or tom waits there you go my number four the james franco chapter ah, number yes. two my number five james franco there you go my number five the ballad of buster scruggs tim blake nelson my number six liam neeson's interesting i love to say neeson's it's the best way to pronounce these. And my last, uh, The Mortal Remains, Brendan Gleeson. Yes, completely 
understand why you're doing that mm. because I know what you prefer stylistically. Mm. And it's just unfortunate. <laughs> Damn <go>. you. <laughs> Since our orders differ, why don't just kind of go chronologically? Yeah. I you know we, there's a lot, kind of a lot here. You can almost talk yeah. for at length well, about each one. I mean, one, but... Tim Blake Nelson, um, I, I think what is most interesting about his part is the very end in mm. which they show this trifecta um, portrait of the soul ascending to heaven the person who defeated him continuing on the legacy of bloodshed down mm. the road and then the people that remain in the town just disposing of the bodies mm -hmm. um, I think that there's something deep to meditate on I, I haven't unlocked it or anything but I do think that single image is one of the most fascinating amongst the smorgasbord of images that we are given amongst this film mm. this was the most Hail Caesar like it was of the six chapters um, this is kind of in that kind of musical comedy ish almost, tone um, what's his name uh, False Teeth Hobie Doyle yes -esque. almost Hobie Doyle esque I would agree um, that's it's interesting. I, like it. I know, you know, considering how much I love Inside Lewin Davis, which is also, uh, which also very much involves music. music um, I do think there is something just about how they do kind of their upbeat musical moments that doesn't just is not my kind of thing. I just don't quite like the tone they they strike in these moments. Mm -hmm. You um, don't like the golden era of Hollywood? It's all right. That's false, completely false. Singing <laughs> in the rain, favorite movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's you know effective in sort of sort of um, setting the thematic foundation for the rest of the anthology. Um, I think most of these involve death. Most of them involve chance in some way, um, and most of them involve money in some way. Um, I think we for me those were like kind of the loose. Um, motifs that were kind of running throughout these um so if nothing else it at least set me up for what i expected to be in for did you ever unlock what was happening in the chapter beginnings you mean like when we're actually looking at the book yeah i i'm i only saw the first two again this morning but i was thinking mm. maybe it's the climax of like when things turn for the character oh like where those pages sync up with the story itself yeah because there's mm. the intro page and it's um you see him you play him or you saw him you play him right for right. tim blake nelson and then the second one which i didn't watch but it's uh it's uh steven root yelling pan shot yeah yeah you know that's kind of the turning point for all of them yeah um the zoe kazan one i think it's the leader of the bandwagon going back to tell his co-worker that so he can shot herself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the tide's already turned for her in that situation, but it's about to turn for Billy Knapp. I think it's his name, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to show you this is the image I was thinking of. Ah, him being dragged away. And then the guy that killed him going down the road, and there's his. Mm, yep. And that's how it starts. Boom. Legs up in between his crotch. Bye bye, Buster The man Buster in black Scruggs. continues to ride. Yep. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think there's something very special with religious iconography always happening in their films, and I don't mm. quite know what that one means, but I think there's something to it. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
I'm not crazy about number one, but I think this is a taste thing. Um, I just prefer when they go more serious when they try to lighten the tone. I don't think that their their mood works quite as well for me. Um, but I, I still think it's an interesting chapter, nonetheless. It's just not my, my kind of thing. Who else is making golden era Hollywood pictures today that you enjoy? Something like La La Land? I mean, to me, there is That's not quite a the... a lot more sad, though. Yeah, but I don't. I just don't see the the magic or the spontaneity in their renditions of golden era Hollywood that mm-hmm. I see in um, something like La La Land. It just it just feels too mechanical to me. Um, if I, you I, never hear from Michael again, I have put him in a chair, mm-hmm. Clockwork Orange style, and he is just sitting there with his eyes propped open watching Whoa. Hail Caesar. <laughs> Sounds painful. <laughs> Sounds like my heaven. <laughs> um, well, let's get to something two. more interesting. Um, meal ticket. All right, that's your number two. Do you want to go chrono- chronologically, or? Oh yeah, we can go chronologically. Sorry, James oh, Franco then. <laughs> James Franco. Um, James Franco did not do a lot for me here. That was a little fine, but I think it was just bland. a bad story. Hmm. I think this is the worst story amongst all the stories. I would agree. There wasn't a lot there for me to chew on, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, I think that's it would have been like a but... good um, in-between. You know, like mm. like maybe if they would have put this uh, before Zoe Kazan's thing, before the carriage and mm. Zoe Kazan, so that it goes... Um, and then it would say, like, intermission. And then this mm. would be the intermission. Like mm. death is always coming, and then you go to mm. her finding death in right after there's something beautiful, and then mm. the the carriage ride to death's door. Mm. I think that would have been just more interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, I think uh, that is kind of fun to to, to program your own um, Buster Scruggs order of yeah. chapters. Yeah, because I think they do kind of work in different ways. I do think meal ticket should have been the opening. You think? Yeah. Oh, I thought that kind of, I felt like I was kind of descending towards that gloom in the middle. Yeah. That, but then we end up quite gloomy in the last chapter, too, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe it would be a bookend, in a way, with the mortal remains. I, I think that kind of that slow lead-in with, with no one talking except for this performance piece. Mm, yeah. And then it, it, I just would have responded more to it in a different, in the beginning. In the middle, I mm. was kind of like, when's this end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. did not respond well to it. Most of my audience didn't either. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought at the start of Chapter 2 that we were going to be getting some kind of um, motif with water and what that symbolizes because I was remembering that Buster Scruggs was singing about the clear blue water and then the first thing James Franco looks at is the sign above the well and it says bad water. Mm-hmm. And he's not sure whether or not to go in and that sure seems like an omen telling him maybe not rob this bank. A um, little bit under the Silver Lake hobo iconography, huh? Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I don't know the actor's name who plays the uh, bank teller in Stephen this chapter. Root. I do like him. Yeah. I think he's He fun. was in, um, you know, uh, Jordan Peele's fantastic film. What is it called? Get Out. Get Out, yeah. I think of him usually with Dodgeball. Dodgeball instead of Office Space. Oh, wait, that wasn't him in Office Space, was it? Let me check. Wait, is, is he Milton? No, he can't be Milton. Office 
space Stephen. If it is not, that has to be a very common mix-up. It has to be, right? Stephen Root as Melton says what? IMDb. Stephen Root talks real-life Melton. That's crazy. Well, let's go right? to Office Space. Check check the facts. That's crazy. How have I never put that together? I think it's he's got those Stephen Root. That's crazy. He's got those magnifying. You made me feel crazy, so I was like, "What's going on?" I think it's the glasses in Office Space that magnify his eyes that threw me off. I've or never was it realized. Jennifer Aniston's flare? Probably that too. It's so distracting. <laughs> Anyways, now that that's settled, he's no, funny. Settled. Pan shot. He was funny, but the chapter, on the whole, yeah, didn't do a lot for me. I liked the last moment. I think that James Franco was performing extremely well. I just don't think this was a, a well-paced um, or written enough part. Like, like this needed more breath. It needed a feature in order to really pick up pace. It, it did yeah. not exactly work in its limited runtime. And I think that that might yeah. be my criticism throughout. Yeah. Throughout this chapter. Throughout the whole film. Like, it just didn't it. go long enough, except for Meal Ticket, which was too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's fine. It's Still love it. Don't hate it. It's a thing. This is a good movie. It's just individually, each piece kind of falls apart the closer you mm. look. Um, what's number three? Meal ticket. Your favorite. I did uh, really enjoy um, a break from so much dialogue in some of the other chapters. I mean, obviously, this armless, legless man is reciting stuff. He's Ozymandias, but. Um, to me, this was um, the most, the best example of visual storytelling, except for me, except for um, Tom Waits's. He's kind of talking to himself there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, it was just a simple, straightforward arc. People losing interest in the art that these guys sell, and a guy with nothing else to lose. He's already lost his arms and his legs. Ultimately, loses what he has left, and it is as nihilistic as the others um but uh almost more so yeah i think probably more so um i really like that performance from the actor i have no idea who that is who he plays um what is it dudley dursley in harry potter he plays dudley mm-hmm. what yeah film Mind spot in fact alone should have listened to film spotting fool that's great. Well, I always try to listen to theirs after we've talked about it. Uh, um, I always try to listen to theirs before we talk about it. Just oh, to remind me of some details. Ah, got it. You watch the trailers again. I listen to podcasts. I will never think of that Aussie Mandius thing the same. Thinking about him as Dudley. Because uh, yes. Dudley's like the mean cousin, right? Harry's mean cousin? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Dudley sucks. Dudley does suck, but Harry becomes very, very powerful, and Dudley never does. He remains a lowly muggle. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like this one. Um, I thought we were sticking with the water thing th- here since he ends up getting tossed in a river, mm-hmm. but um, we kind of lose that theme, I think, in the last two. Um, Not necessarily. Yeah, I like this one. I, can't, I, I was trying to tie it in with five and six. I don't know if there was anything there or not. But um, yeah, not well, not your favorite. 
No, I love Liam Neeson. I uh, just didn't enjoy this. I think mm. that's more a response to how well it was made, though. Mm. In this case, like, I think someone liking it and someone not liking it are kind of the same thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you are able to appreciate the craft in this. Mm-hmm. And I would agree that the craft is strong. But I was so negatively affected by how terrible mm. the humanity being portrayed mm. is yeah that i hated it for mm. those reasons yeah kind of like i hated the killing of a sacred deer because it deeply affected me in a negative way yeah that's kind of how meal ticket was like i was deeply affected in a negative way on purpose yeah and i think that me hating it is a good thing i think that means mm. that they did their job because mm. i just don't look at things the way that you look at things mm. um you know you love burning i lukewarm on it yeah there's some sort of a visual style that you're mapping onto and finding love for where i'm like mm. i'm so grossed out that i can't mm. yeah even though i agree yeah. it's really well made yeah and well paced it's just ah. yeah it's achy <laughs> yeah it's an achy ending M- sure. most likely to be your mom's mm. least favorite part <laughs> I don't to think my anyone. mom would like any of these, but but, but like probably. to anyone's yeah. mom, like this is the worst one. Probably the last one you'd recommend. Mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, want to go to number four? To the canyon. To the canyon. I loved Tom Waits here. I did too. I'm a big yeah. Tom Waits fan. He's my favorite devil. Favorite devil. The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Oh, I got nothing there. You've never seen that film? No. We may have found his Christmas gift, folks. Ooh, this is Heath Ledger's last film. He died one oh. third of the way during shooting. Um, oh. Johnny Depp and Colin Farrell filled in to reprise his role, and Tom Waits plays oh. the devil. Love it. It's awesome. a very, very good film. Uh, I would put it in the League of Big Fish. For oh, yeah. Big Fish fan. This is you kind of the same. Yeah. Um, fantastical mm. storytelling. Nice interesting picture and that was Heath Ledger's last movie you said yes well I'm intrigued Anton Yelchin style we got good options going out I like it with a good bang thoroughbreds right oh yeah I like it um yeah to me this is one of the most upbeat I think it is the only one that ends on a happy note I can Mm -hmm. say Tom Waits actually finds his pocket and this might be like the first time to bring up like how much I hate not to sound like Sean Baker, mm. but digital camera work with mm. these digital special effects mm. on this digital screen. It's just, it really detracted mm. from my experience. Yeah. I would have much mm. rather watched them shoot a normal film stock. The totally. same exact thing. Even yeah. if the deer looked just as horrendously unreal. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't mind as much if it was on that good film stock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree. That is not one of the things that does appeal about this chapter to me is the look um i don't think any of them look great although i do kind of like the look of meal ticket since that's that one said at night maybe i don't exactly it quite so as it's much dark there. so you can't notice as much mm-hmm. but this one's bright this big lush valley with the animals running throughout it You're which right, is like it's, it's, it's a nice it. idea it reminds me of like this um this david spade chris farley movie i can't remember if it was like uh who are the two guys that journeyed on the Oregon Trail to discover the Pacific Coast? Lewis and Clark? Yeah, Lewis and Clark. Mm. It's like a Lewis and Clark story that they oh. did as a comedy film. 
Chris Farley like climbs oh, this tree yeah. and gets some eggs out of the tree. Wow, like totally it, forgot it about reminded that movie. me of that movie. Yeah, uh, that's hilarious. Which brought back like a lot of positive nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if if money is one of the themes running through these, like this is one chapter where you see a person just working hard for it, mm-hmm. determined to find Mister Pocket. He finds Mr. Pocket. You Where think? are you at, Mr. Pocket? I could listen to him talk about Mr. Pocket all day long. Me too. He ultimately finds it. You think he's going to lose it, and he gets it back. It's very satisfying. Um, when when he climbs the tree and the owl's looking at him when he goes to take the egg and he puts yeah. all back but one, that was a... You know, like, there's just a lot of um, in-the-moment good screenplay here. Yeah. Yeah. And good um, performance. Such a good performance. Yeah. I think order wise, I did appreciate this following meal ticket to sort of lighten the mood again. Um, since meal ticket was so oh, gloomy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say order wise, I liked watching this following the old man and the gun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that too. A little bit more positive take yeah. on Tom Waits. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. It is. It's it's strong, and the way that the valley comes to life before and when he leaves um, is really nice. Um, that shootout sequence was stirring, mm-hmm. um, and then he throws him in and buries him, and he's got the, yeah. all the gold, and he slaps it on the donkey, and all I can think in the back of my head is the treasure of the Sierra Madre. <laughs> oh, I see, I gotta watch that. Too, too many references I'm missing out on. All the Western um, references. Yeah, it's kind of like not watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm. That would, that would be a problem. Um, Which I did think about during the James Franco sequence. Oh yeah, little, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, and then he's holed up with his pistols behind the well. Bad oh, water. Oh yeah, Pan definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, should we go to the next? Number five is Zoe Kazam. It is. By far the best um, theatrical scene mm. out of all of this. Like, it's the most theatrical. Mm. It, it could be extended into a feature-length film very easily. Mm. And it's almost very disappointing that it wasn't. Um, it's beautiful. It's It's got everything that you could want in a snippet. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it leaves you wanting more, that's for sure. Did you buy into all the um, social backlash about this particular act and what, its negative portrayal of? of Native Americans? Oh, oh, you mean the uh, like film backlash, like film community backlash? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. oh, cultural um, critic backlash. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I don't think there's any reason why they maybe couldn't have just told a story from the perspective of a Native American. I mean, I don't I don't see any reason why they couldn't have done that. I don't know that I was particularly offended by um, the depictions that they did have. Um, it just felt like it was kind of from the white man's perspective, which I kind of feel like I've been there, done that, and that is kind of troubling in its own, in its own way. Um, but um, I don't know that I would dismiss too much of what I did like about you know these chapters because of that yeah what did you think I agree I, I think that you, you know you, you can say that we've already had enough of it or whatever but I mm. do think that there is an interesting 
thing that that we might be throwing out that the western canon was not here on this country amongst these tribes before the western canon arrived and i think mm. this is kind of a um a portrayal of what it was like to see the western canon pun intended arriving mm. you know mm. canon like like we're bringing uh blood um we're bringing guns we're bringing horses we're bringing religion and mm. we're bringing genocide yeah with us um and you know it, it's not pretty but what was here beforehand also mm. wasn't pretty there was war amongst the tribes as well mm. and there's no right way to reconcile it there's just you need to continue to communicate about it but i i do think that it is just as valuable to see how the arrival of the western canon was brutal mm. um you, you know th this might not portray native americans beautifully but it also didn't portray white people beautifully <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I I think that you know there there's an engaging conversation to be had, and I'm not the expert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it, it's it is hard for me not to want to see what they would have to show us about what the arrival of the, all that meant to the people who suffered from it the most. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I heard some people say, you know, well, you know, they're they're replicating, you know you know western novels you know uh dime paperbacks mm -hmm. that kind of thing which i think is a little silly because to me like they do obviously put their own spin on things right like this sort of magical realism of watching buster scruggs float into the sky yeah. like I, I think it's totally reasonable to ask them if you're going to do that to also just you know push boundaries a little bit in terms of perspective um, I, and so it's something that I would have loved to have seen. I don't know that it makes me dislike what I did liked, you know, any, I, I would anymore. almost rather have an experience committed to that idea. Because it, it feel, it as much as we can't grasp how this all fits together, it does seem like this all kind of fits together. And I would rather mm. just have a whole project devoted to what you're talking about with the other perspective thing. Mm. Like I would, like to me, I, I honestly interpreted Anton Sugar kind of as mm. uh, a Native American almost. Just mm. almost having like this revenge fantasy against yeah. America. Yeah. So um, you, it's it's interesting and I'm glad that there's a conversation. I just don't think that you can jump to any assumptions either way. And yeah. that's kind of all I can say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does seem like this chapter is the one that triggered that conversation, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I think, think so. There was... Native Americans who actually come to James Franco's hanging, right, in chapter two. I think that's why he manages yes. to get away. Yes, there's a shootout. No, he doesn't even get away. He doesn't, he just you're right. He is stays just there. there until yeah. he's rescued by a cattle wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So they're in a couple <laughs> chapters. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Worth talking about. If you're about. interested in a deep narrative conversation, I recommend Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh. There is quite the. Uh, storytelling about the mm. Native American experience in that mm. video game, which was very, very thorough and very good. That's interesting. Cool. Um, should we move on? Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, we didn't even dig into Zoe Kazam. We would love to be sponsored, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so there, there were two actors and Zoe Kazan, um, and then you know the preceding shootout and mm-hmm. everything. Did you enjoy the dog motif? Um, I didn't get much from it. How did you interpret that? Oh, I just thought it was a nice gag. Oh, I agree. Nice I don't gag. know that I. I spent, I think, too much time thinking about what the dog was maybe a metaphor for. I don't know that I got anything from it, and I was totally fine with that. I don't. Yeah. I think some of these, it's maybe not a good idea to try to read too much into them. Um, At least not on first viewing. Yeah. Let yeah. some time go by. Re- we'll rewatch it next year. Let them know. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Z- Zoe Kazan um, was uh, terrific. She anchored the whole thing. Um, I thought she was great. Really well delivered dialogue as well. From Definitely. Her. Um, yeah, let's let's hop over to the carriage. Yes, let's do you it. You did not like this, and I predict because of the the um, the mouthy screenplay. Yeah, too and, wordy well, for you. I mean, I would probably confess that it's the last one. When you have an anthology, you're not really... You don't really have the benefit of suspense leading you to the end, you know? That's probably the one that I most owe a revisit, you mm. know? It's the talkiest, so yeah. by that point, I'm like, holy smokes. Yeah, second talkiest. Which one? Tim Blake Nelson is quite the mouthy son of a gun. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have any strong feelings for it either way. Um, interesting performances mm-hmm. um and uh i i think it's probably just the the one i need to chew on more what about you when you were watching it did you pick up that it was possibly the ride to death store um no not really uh, this is bad criticism on my part this is me being like why are we talking so much show me more <laughs> <laughs> i i i love uh dialogue pieces yeah um you know i think for some reason you love scenes from a marriage oh yeah, yeah. it's which, not which I is mean, a there's... heavy dialogue piece totally. you know so uh, for me this is kind of working in that heavy dialogue space um i would liken it most to a serious man where it has a bunch of um symbolism and religious iconography happening in the the meaning of words and the way that mm. people are being stirred awake or reacting to what is said and mm. Brendan Gleeson's glee at mm. their misfortunes is mm. very appetizing to mm. my tastes in film yeah. and in snappy dialogue. I really yeah. like the the snappy dialogue delivered back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And yeah. some of the monologues we get are, it, it's just, um, you, you can't really talk about this piece without having just watched it and then immediately yeah. quoting what's said. But yeah. the the way that the ride goes and how each person has their slow awakening to what could be at the end of the carriage mm. um, and how the carriage driver, no matter what, will not stop. Mm. And only yeah. these two men get to go back. Um, it's just very interesting to me. Yeah. And I'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. I mean, it does uh, seem like a fitting capstone to a handful of stories that all involve death to mm-hmm. only underline the inevitability of it um that death will come <laughs> and it is coming and her husband's gonna be back any day mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. any day now he's coming back <laughs> um so yeah you know 
Not one that I would say I think is bad or anything like that. Just the one that, you know, I don't have the, the strongest opinion of. I like this movie more than Raising Arizona, but mm-hmm. otherwise um, it's pretty far down my list. On oh, Cohen's? Yeah. It would not be towards the top, that's yeah. for sure. And you've only seen half, so there's a lot further for it to fall. <laughs> this is true. Absolutely. Um, recommend it. Universal recommendation, especially if you're a Netflix subscriber. Um, if you still have the opportunity to see it in theaters, I think the landmark might have pulled it all by now. But mm. it, it's a wholly different experience in theaters than at home, is all yep. I can say. And um, if you get the chance to do Roma, we'll talk about that mm. soon. Roma is much better in theaters than it will mm. be at home i promise i just saw it and it's very good in theaters yeah even though i was so so on it on the whole i would still recommend it just because i think with six chapters your odds are good of liking mm-hmm. a couple at least so and i think it'll be interesting to revisit this title later yeah i do and i think that you can almost watch one at a time totally well you can break this down and just watch it as a series overall. oh i agree yeah in fact i might do that not a bad started already I know, I'd probably just do it in a different order. Like, I'd be like, I think I got the least out of the mortal remains. I would, I would start there. I yeah. might do it backwards. Yeah. Yeah. That, great tip for them. There you go. Let's uh, hop to the world is yours. Let's do it. I had to stop and think about what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Scarface in France. <laughs> Ramon Gavres? That is correct. I don't know the name of anyone in this film right now. I used to when I had just read it. Um, but I like this movie a lot. Me too. It's a nice movie. It's a strong movie. Um, there's kind of a Scarface vibe going on, but um, not quite Harmony Kareen mm-hmm. levels of subversion um, and, and stylization. But somewhere in there, you know, you, you get this um, man who wishes for nothing more than a 25-foot pool and yeah. a house and a wife. Yeah. That's pretty much it. He's a drug dealer trying to get out the game, right? He just wants to start Courtesy his... Courtesy of those icy popsicles. He just wants to sell freeze pops in North Africa. That's all he wants. I think that's reasonable. I do too. It's not his fault that he kidnaps a young child. It's his mother's fault. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It actually yeah. is. <laughs> I thought he was a great protagonist. I um, in Surrounded by, you know kind of goofy criminals like he's level-headed he's responsible um he kind of keeps his mouth shut even though you can tell he's getting fed up with these people um like i was instantly aligned with him um and i, I, I it's just a fun movie um what do you think of vincent guile vincent guile is it that's his dad right vincent cassell oh yeah cassell not guy yeah sorry uh vincent castle from hilarious um, gaspar noe Yes, exactly. Yes. I thought this was hilarious. Yes. I thought there was that was such a great payoff to his uh conspiracy theory yes. reading. Yes, oh my it god. Was. The biggest smile on my face came when he looked at, you know, Mohammed's Adidas logo just before 
setting the, the drugs ablaze. Yes. So funny. Um, I thought he was great. Um, I liked uh, the the protagonist's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what she's her name really is. good. She's um, great. Sean Baker was calling for her to be a Bond girl. I could totally see. Oh, it. that's awesome! I like that. Totally see that. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned the Safdie brothers in your review, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's an interesting comparison. Um, you know, if I if I were to compare this to, to Good Time, like I think Good Time's like a little grittier. This is a little more upbeat, like a little oh, more playful, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, they both have some kind of tough situations, I think, um, and have kind of that propulsive crime feel to yeah, it. Yeah, like this neighborhood crime feel that gets upgraded very rapidly mm-hmm. against their will. Yeah. And there's there's mm-hmm. that glossy sheen, right? The, there's this digital styling that um, it works sometimes. And it worked for me here. Like the digital photography here looked good mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah. I, I definitely responded to it better than Ballad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, good time being a little divisive for how it sort of aligned our perspective with robert pattinson's character who's making some very questionable choices right um he sleeps with like an underage girl he's there's some questionable stuff about race hey, going he on there the phone. he did need the phone <laughs> you know there were lots that of questionable bottle, things there he needed to get it <laughs> yeah um you know so here i think i think this is like a little a little more easily accessible because our protagonist is so much more likable here but i think that's kind of a fascinating comparison because this does have some troubling scenes like with racism mm-hmm. um, in some un- in some uncomfortable situations um but it's the opposite right it's it's the um the french africans getting out yeah. and beating the white men and calling saying we'll beat the shit out of any englishman we see or yeah. something yeah yeah and they're dr- they're having these uh what would you think of those like fantasization sequences in which they're imagining um killing their leader so funny loved it muhammad and muhammad muhammad and uh, muhammad that's right <laughs> yeah one envisions killing their boss taking the money for themselves the yes. other envisions killing the their boss and the other muhammad yes taking the money only for himself um super funny yeah so i think it those are perfect examples of where I think it kind of walks that line between it kind of exploiting the decadence um, that all these people's yeah, lifestyles are. Yeah, Scarface like decadence, right? Yeah, while also managing to sort of carefully critique it because our protagonist is kind of the counterpoint to that. Like he doesn't want this, right? He's trying to get out, so he's kind of our um, voice of a reason. Yes, to all this decadence. Um, which is nice. I mean, I think Good Time is more challenging film in the sense that you're like, why I think it's should more American. I? I think that's the difference. Mm. Like this feels like a French film, yeah. and the Softy Brothers feel very American. Like it's it's gritty. It's it's yeah. heavy. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, I thought the music was great. It really yes, leans it on those musical cues, but I think they work. It's heavy. Maybe it does lean on them. I didn't pick up that it leaned on them. I just picked up that. It used them masterfully. Yeah, I, I say l- l- leans on them. I don't mean like it, it's um, using that as a crutch. I just mean like it's not it's not shy about it. Um, no, it's not. Right, and yes. I, I kind of like that. I, I yeah. think it was actually used pretty well. Sometimes that's hard to lean heavy into really um, kind of 
pop heavy electro dance music you feel like the movie is trying really hard to get you excited i was excited i was there yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah. um and just good music either way yeah different music that i i didn't always know i like yeah. it it was a, it was a nice cultural experience definitely um yeah i don't i watched uh romaine gavris's music video for uh the mia song mm -hmm. born free mm -hmm. which i forgot i had seen before yeah way back when that came out i was like oh i added this that back to my familiar. watch list I meant to yeah. watch it but i didn't have time today but yeah it's just because i was trying to remember what else he's done um because i realized that he's been around for a little while but even though he was a new he had a me, couple other shorts i added yeah we'll he, a handful watch those, yeah. yeah so I, I i happened to throw that on and that was also you know quite provocative obviously um so he seems to just um revel in the thrill of confrontation mm -hmm. um and uh i think he he does it well i agree i i concur yeah um i think fun of, some of the funnest moments are the interplay of heist and the mother and son relationship oh yeah um whether or not it's just at the mall to get some necklaces or if it's a big water park uh, prisoner exchange. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that that uh, it reminded me of kind of what was happening in Good Time with Jennifer Jason Leigh having the mm. money being the older girlfriend and then the younger girlfriend that has the phone and, and how yep. the interplay of Robert Pattinson between the two is happening. Um, it was just a really strong styling. I, I Absolutely. really appreciated that. Yeah, I, I would like to watch the rest of his work at some point. Yeah, it is an interesting relationship because she kind of treats him like dirt. That, I think that's too strong of a phrase, but I'm thinking about when he walks into the restaurant early on and she demands that he dance for her friends. Yes, um, great, great point and great moment and great song. Great song. <laughs> it's it's a great moment. Like, and I I I kind of sympathize with him for his mom putting him through this performance. Um, but he's also kind of having fun with it. Like yeah, he, he begins knows... to enjoy it, and then the girl that he loves or comes to love likes is looking at him, and that's when he really starts to get into it because she's starting to get into it. It's, yeah, it, it's it's not the same as the Jennifer Jason Lee underage girl Robert Pattinson thing. Yeah, but somewhere in that malay. Yeah, yeah. Of, of uh, two different female characters and a, a boy in the middle stuck trying to appease both but just yeah. wants one yeah yeah you you know he doesn't want to do it but you also see him start to kind of have fun with it yeah like he just kind of knows that this is who his mom is um and i felt that same way a little bit way, of stockle. yeah <laughs> same way at the mall right where he finds his mom and his mom is it's wanting like, him to cause a scene so she can steal some stuff and he kind of goes with it he's like she's not gonna change and i accept her um I, I, it is kind of a fun relationship and not too easy of a relationship. Not at all. Um, she took all his money. Correct. <laughs> yes, she did. Um, and I think it just has a great a payoff at the end. It does. Um, very satisfying. Not withholding. I I almost want to rewatch it because I didn't get to like it enough the first time. I want to like it more. <laughs> do, you, what, do you think there was something holding you back or just, just mood? Um, 
I think the layer of it being foreign and me not quite always totally. interpreting what was coming at me um, yeah. with whole understanding. Um, totally. th- there yeah. is a foreign element to the film that is limiting in some ways to an observer of what's real and what's not real. Mm. Like when you said when he already started to begin to act in the mall. Mm. I yeah, did not yeah. know he was acting. It's, I agree. It's point. a little He's like, almost, no, yeah. I, I can't spend that much time in the kiosk or whatever yeah. being held by the security guards. And mm. then he continues to say, and then it starts happening. And I'm like, is this happening against his will or do I am I missing a um, cultural language subtext? Right, right. I will completely agree. In the moment, I was a little unsure. It wasn't only until like a scene later when he smiles getting into the car that I'm yes. like, oh, okay, I got it. And I, I still don't know if I get it then or if he's just that happy and forgiving of his mother and the fact yeah. that that girl's in the car. I agree, yeah. Um, kind of like when he's dancing and he's not really happy to do it, but then the girl shows up and then he's yeah. happy to do it because yeah. she's there. Yeah. Um, that, that there is some sort of a cultural, not misunderstanding, but lack of intuition happening. For sure. There, yeah, you, you were just, just one degree removed, right? Yes. It's not quite as immediate. Um, totally agree. That's. I, yeah. I, I did like the subtext of the North African immigrants, drug game, mm. um, British people coming in and being unwilling to deal with them because of the one layer removal from someone who could possibly be involved in terrorist activities and how this guy's just in the middle trying to get his house with his 25-foot pool so that he can take the girl that he likes and go live a life selling freeze pops to North Africa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was with him pretty much the whole way. The only scene that I maybe had a little bit of trouble with, this is this is pretty specific, so I don't know that it, it made much of a difference, but I, that, that I had been thinking about was when they first go to Spain and his girlfriend, they're not really, it's not really his girlfriend, but I'll just mm-hmm. call her that, says she's no longer with the boyfriend that we had been hearing about and she says i'm broke and i'm alone and she starts crying she's on the bed and he immediately takes the opportunity to kiss her mm-hmm. right and then and then she says for 500 bucks right yeah. i'll sleep with you or something like that and um, then afterwards she says why did you pay me oh does she uh-huh in that in that next scene yes yeah i, I was Maybe there were just details right there because of language stuff that I was like, is this movie kind of letting him off the hook? That seems like questionable judgment there to the kind of exploiter in that state. Um, I couldn't tell. I just was maybe unsure what to make of that scene and if it. Yes, I think um, I think there's a lot of depth to it. Yeah. And um, I, I think that maybe if we had just watched the scene, we would be qualified to talk about it better. But definitely there, yeah. there's. I, I don't want to make excuses for him, but I do think that mm. perhaps a, a train of thought that he's in is if I pay her, then she will at least be with me for now, and then I can try to mm. convince her to stay. Mm. I think there might be some purity of intention there yeah. that might yeah. not be communicated by the way that it comes across when we talk about it. Yeah, like I don't think yeah. that he's negatively paying her for sex in the way that someone just pays for sex. I think that he's pain to try to keep her and and he's thinking of the exchange more as um what it could mean not what it means as a transaction yeah yeah i would agree um i yeah i I don't know that i was um 
like any more skeptical of him in that moment but it was clearly like one of the more complicated moments yes. right when he's otherwise pretty easy to oh, sympathize yeah. with I, I mean um, right after that so yeah, i think that's a very nice articulation money, right yeah so the next thing is why did you pay me then he goes in the bathroom um and she takes or, or i think she's asking why did you pay me and then he takes she takes the money while he's in the bathroom and, and runs mm. off and then there's that whole confrontation and then they have more of a confrontation and i think she asks him again why did you give me the money yeah yeah um yeah i mean i, I, which I think is it's maybe an, an interesting thing for france like maybe there's something there that we are those two layers removed from yeah of i mean sex work even though i wasn't quite sure what to make of it i kind of liked it i did think that that was a nice kind of complication since he was otherwise very sympathetic um and there was you know scenes like when they go to meet that acquaintance of vincent cassell who has all the um immigrant employees employees slash servants exactly yeah um that had another kind of good time feel to me it did feel, right where it's not i don't know it's just kind of matter of that fact that and how it's the um, it. the french africans with the bleached hair definitely very good time yeah um you know these aren't scenes that are really clearly coming down they're not they're really not judging anything they're just kind of presenting it yeah and if it reminds me of uh, Harmony Corrine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think that he was making judgments on Spring Breakers. He was just depicting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing. To me, that's like that's what creates conversation. That's yeah, perhaps what stimulates this is thought. Like Harmony Corrine by Softy Brothers. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah with the French twist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I just think those are more interesting because they're they're not straightforward. Exactly. Um, all the while, it's fun. It's a fun movie. It is. It's really it's not good. weighed down by seriousness in these things. It just piques your thought. Just like Buster Scruggs, anyone in America can watch it there on you Netflix. Go. Readily available. Bioni? Want to do it? Let's burn. <laughs> Beyond, baby, beyond. We are talking about Lee Chang Dong's burning. You're a bit of a Chang Dong master. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know that I would go that far. You're more than me. You're more of a Chang Dong master than me. I did watch a couple Chang Dongs recently. I watched Secret Sunshine and Poetry recently. Um, you enjoyed both of them quite a bit. I really did. But yeah. you did not enjoy them nearly as much as Bioni. I think this is a big step up. I do. Um, how long ago was it that you watched it? It's been a little while, right? A couple October? months? Yeah. But revisited it today, partially. I opened the film and I fast forwarded my way completely through the film in less than a minute ah got it there you go so just to refresh your memory key points yeah 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 for me this is one of those movies that i just did not want to end um this is a long movie all these movies are really long they're all over two hours this one's like two and a half um i did not want to leave this uh filmmaking i haven't been this mesmerized by um a film in a long time um 
there are other movies this year that I, I similarly did not want to end. Suspiria. Hereditary is also one. However, I was also so when it gets to the end, terrified that I wanted it to end. <laughs> you are kind of ready to leave that because yeah. it is that good. Um, but I I did find this um, ambiguous in the perfect way that it hasn't left me since I watched it, um, and I was just beguiled by um, the feel of it from start to finish. You less so. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful to look at. I think that some of the um, textual um, elements of it are not quite as good as their comparisons would have you think. Um, but yeah, I think most importantly, you have to keep in mind the uh, novel, The Great Gatsby, while mm. watching this film. Mm. I, I think there might be interesting comparisons throughout of Daisy Buchanan, if I remember her last name correctly, and um, who is the gal in the film? What's her name? Um, I already forgot. Okay, but I'm with you. But y you know what I mean, and, and main how girl. she, um, the, um, our main character, becomes infatuated with her, and then mm. she goes on the trip, if I remember correctly. And then she mm -hmm. comes back with Stephen Ewan. Mm -hmm. um, and then she lives with Stephen Ewan in this very... Or she seems to live with Stephen Ewan in this very rich house. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some very clear Great Gatsby metaphors. The fact that he's trying mm -hmm. to be a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how everything's going. And then, I, if I remember correctly, at the end when he's conducting his investigation, he's constantly typing. And he's, like, sitting in her house looking at, like, the power lines or something, which are supposed to be kind of a metaphoric value of looking across the dock at the light where daisy mm, is across the lake yeah um so there is a lot of interesting imagery it's just mm. i i didn't necessarily find it to be filled with value um i i, mm. I wouldn't say it's hollow but it's it's not filled mm. with value ah. and um that didn't pay off well for me there are moments that are very fascinating, though. Stephen Ewan leading him up this dirty road um, in front of this giant reservoir mm. and him sneaking up and, and witnessing this. Um, you know, there's there's interesting moments. It's just uh, the dinner party. You know, there, mm. there's some, some good atmosphere. Um, mm. But yeah. at the end, I, I felt like I was holding on to water. Mm. Not like I was holding on to something solid. Mm. Yeah. I thought it was so dense with texture. Um, I just, I think this thing feels so rich. And I think the questions it leaves unanswered are what will just keep it percolating in my head. Um, like, I, I already want to re revisit it so bad um, just to get back into the feel of it. Um, I think those ideas are totally right. Um, I think um those i mean i think that source material is certainly of interest the great gatsby for sure um it do, i think it's formed sort of a, an interesting triptych with those couple other movies um one's about a piano teacher and one's about a poet and this guy's a writer oh hold um, on don't tell me the other movies lee chang dong made inform this movie and you're willing to let it do that because it's not a lars von trier film am i right mm. am i right I'm just talking about 
what I think he does. <laughs> I was trying to catch you. <laughs> I think this is way better than those movies. Um, I think his visual storytelling here is just is next level relative to those. I think those are really interesting character studies. But in all three, he does what he seems to be doing is just kind of attaching like sort of a, a genre structure to something more, um, you know, emotional or character driven, right? Like this is this kind of turns into like a serial killer kind of movie, mm -hmm. right? Assuming you believe that's what Stephen Yeun is, which I think is pretty clear. Um, and in those other two, there are very clear plot devices that just attach really nicely to what these characters have to figure out emotionally. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Jeff Nichols in that regard. Um, that's what I think um, something like Midnight Special actually does, where it's clearly kind of got the bones of a genre movie, but that's just the tracks on which he's laying some really rich emotion and characters. Interesting characterization. Yeah. I'd, I'd be fascinated to watch his other films. I think I'd probably respond better to the other ones. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess just some questions for you that mm. uh, because I'm still kind of lilting, I, I, yeah. I I'm still confused by this movie mm. in in a few ways. What do you think exactly was the purpose of the um, alliteration or or the duality of telling the father's story in the farm? Um, yeah, the father's um, going to jail because he assaulted. Um, like a uh, government official or something like mm -hmm. that, right? I don't know what to do with it yet, to be honest. Like, I okay. So you're not I like, will, you no. didn't grasp something that I'm totally at the wind with. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, like, I, this is not one of those movies that, like, I, I can claim to be a masterpiece because I have it all figured out. Like, there, that, that is just in no way the case. Um, in the same way that... Like, I don't know, There to me, there are movies that I, I still don't think I figured out that I love nonetheless because I love how they feel. Mm -hmm. um, and this is one of those movies. I mean, I think I very much feel the desire he feels, um, the confusion he feels at what's um, actually going on between this girl and Steven Yeun. Um, how whatever sort of anger was in his father seems to also be in him and how mm -hmm. that maybe is class related. Um, mm. I don't know that I can articulate it in a super concise way. I just kind of feel how I think that's maybe what he shares with his father is yes. something class related. Um, it's not, you know, coincidental that I think his father got in a fight with some other farmer. Right. Um, and it's not coincidental that Stephen Yun is, um, very wealthy right that's why we have this kind of great Gatsby mm -hmm. metaphor working as well <clears throat> and um, the, the night party where everything kind of decays and yeah right right exactly or matures rather yeah yeah um and I yeah I don't know I just think there are some just just fascinating visual metaphors that I still haven't worked out I just know that it just felt so rich i think about the girls um doing her pantomime early on in the film when she's getting a drink with the main character for the first time and she's talking about um uh pretending a peach is in her hand 
And yes, 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 yes. Remember that scene, and, and, and he kind of carries that through to the issue yeah, with the cat. Yeah, that's interesting ma- manufacturing meaning out of action. Yeah, I, I, I think that's just this fascinating visual rhyme that kind of continues out as, as you know, the cat may or may not be real. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, but did you also kind of map that onto, like, her relationship with Stephen Yoon might not be real? I remember totally. I did that. Yeah. And and I by the end of the movie I still didn't really understand like what she thought her relationship with the main character was mm. or or what she thought she was accomplishing by doing what she did. Mm. It was all it, it was quite a confusing film. Yeah, I mean she never explicitly states like oh this is my new boyfriend, Stephen Yun. Yes. Um, it's it is entirely ambiguous what exactly they mean to each other. To me, it is it is entirely clear that the main character wants her. Yes. Like he explicitly and, said and that then to Stephen Yun. Things Young. keep happening to him is kind of how the film, at least how I interpreted the film, was things kept happening to him that made me go no. Yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe you deserve it. I don't know if you're more insane than Stephen Yun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think there it's just a, an interesting combination of something very straightforward that this girl that a guy likes may have gotten involved with somebody with a serial killer, and mm-hmm. thus there is danger danger with some with some very ambiguous kind of emotional spiritual quality to it that I think is much harder to kind of articulate, but that I am fully willing to just continue to think about and mull over because the experience of it was so satisfying for me. I, I do think it's perhaps uh, one of the most accessible genre films from Korea. It mm. is a Korean film, correct? Mm. I that is, you you know, it's not like Snowpiercer or something where it's made yeah. in English. Also, you know, as a foreign film, I think Okja was made in English as well. So, like, just Mm. as a straight up foreign film, this might be one of the most accessible since Handmaiden. The Handmaiden. Oh yeah. To just um, watch, um, because I I get the sense that even if you're South Korean, the film is very much left open to interpretation and open for revisiting. Yeah, I mean, was uh, poetry the same way? No, I don't think poetry or Secret Sunshine are anywhere near as ambiguous. Um, hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to see what you think. I mean, they are long. Um, I think that's probably what would deter anybody from watching them. Um, Definitely. But I think they are much more clear in how they are in, in their resolutions, for sure. Um, I mean, here we we know you can certainly glean that Stephen Young's the bad guy here. Um, not the bad guy, but like in I, this I in the genre formula, yeah. he's he's the killer, he's the right? Other. We have a detective of he's of the sorts. other, yeah. And and we have an agent, and we have uh, the other, and then yeah. we have a uh, a intermediary who is the female Daisy yeah. Buchanan, yeah. And yeah, there's there's so much interplay with the Western narrative canon. And like, there's more books in play than The Great Gatsby, and I don't know what they are. Mm. I would be interested to revisit the film. I just not for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it has my favorite scene of the year, which is when she is, uh, 
dancing to Miles Davis in is the that, uh, backyard. The farm? Yeah. Yes. In the backyard of the farm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought um, there was something. In, I mean, I it's interesting to even think about how this might be offensive to talk about to begin mm-hmm. with. But I do think there's something interesting about how she manufactured or augmented herself mm. because that is open discussion, I think, at the very beginning. Mm. Because she says, uh, do you remember when you called me ugly? Mm. I think is one of the first conversations they have. Yeah. And then we go on to, and I think she tells us that she had facial surgeries or perhaps right. her, her family does. But then we also see the scars of the other body modifications that she's had. Mm-hmm. And and so there's something interesting happening there too with, I think, Korea's criticization of itself. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I, 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 I feel like there is something intangible, like when LA criticizes itself for augmentation, Mm. I think that maybe South Korea might be having a similar, um, or Mm. this film might be doing the same thing that maybe a LA criticization would do Mm. or Nip Tuck would do. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I I had kind of gone back and forth about what to do with that. She's, that's like one of the first things she says is like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I had plastic surgery. Yeah. Um, and then she later goes on to talk about how she, fell in a well when she was mm-hmm. a kid and yeah, she's manufacturing these stories i don't know that i i think to me that was ambiguous whether or not they were manufactured right and well we find out don't we there was a well but she didn't really fall in it um when he goes to the restaurant that her parents owned but it, i mean i think it's un it's unclear to me i like not... that you think that yeah i, I, I like mean the, he he asked multiple people and one guy said yeah there was a well mm-hmm. um I, I think him wrestling with his his memory of her and and how to reconcile that with how badly he wants her now like what does that mean to to say that you love somebody who has supposedly these memories of you that you don't even remember mm-hmm. to me that that's there there I was just fascinated by that I, I also um, think that it's interesting that Stephen Ewan I mean all interpretations aside kills her right. And I would agree. that uh, our main character loves her and pursues her mm-hmm. it, it, just through this augmentation lens mm. that the, the, the rich and powerful man kills mm. the augmented thing yeah. um, after he derives his pleasure from it. And mm. then the, the lower class citizen continues to value her and pursue her and, and eventually acts in a brutal fashion. Um, because of what she meant to him mm. and how little she meant to the upper class mm. like there yeah. there's almost a deity conversation happening simultaneously yeah i mean i do think there is maybe a point to be made every time you see steven yun at these dinner parties yawning yes and it's him steven yawn <laughs> oh i like that <laughs> um it does seem to suggest he is maybe bored with his own um, opulence and yes. that the suggestion therefore being he gets some sort of thrill out of this um, uh, I mean I, th- I think that's clear enough in a movie that is unclear in a lot of Quite ways unclear. yeah um, but I, I I think some some of the best movies are the ones that I, I don't have like all the answers to it that like that's what makes me want to revisit a movie definitely um, mm. something that I, I often think about when I think about this movie and I do think about this movie more often than maybe my rating 
shows mm. I, I think about it fairly often is how he runs around and checks the greenhouses for being burnt mm. yeah and the possible interplay of looking across the lake for the light mm. in the great gatsby i think there is something to that that the light never comes on mm. and then he goes and turns on the light if mm. you will with Stephen yeah. Ewan. turns it on real good hey real stop tough. attacking my shoe cat damn it <laughs> cat noise cat noise <laughs> yeah i think that's interesting um what'd you give it three too low mm-hmm. i didn't disparage it like you did to hail caesar i gave it a positive review <laughs> you don't tell me that's what's fair. low <laughs> i tell that's you fair. what's low <laughs> that's fair um yeah i mean i don't think you need to watch uh his other movies i don't know that like that really enriched my experience here i mean i think it's always interesting right to did, see did it what an author's him mark as is. a film styler though yeah absolutely but um i i have to believe that what i got out of this movie could be could also be got by somebody who hasn't seen any of his other movies i I do think that there's something to your interpretation of giving it a perfect score Mm. where you need to love visual styling and not mind sitting there not knowing anything for 45 minutes in this really Mm. really slow burn Mm. you have to not mind that yeah and i i think that that's kind of more than just an attention span thing it's what you value i think you do have to value the the strong images that he is communicating i just um didn't always find the meaning there and i think it's Mm. i think this is maybe something that as i continue to talk about it and as years go by and i can revisit it it will creep up my ratings but it will Mm. never be a top 10 for me in this year Mm. yeah i mean yeah it is visual, visually strong to me. That's what makes it so cinematic. Um, is that I feel like this is doing something specifically and you did that get movies. To see it in the cinema, whereas I watched yeah. it at home. Uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like it's something that this medium specifically can do. Um, it's in reference to maybe some literary sources, but I feel like this is you know particularly a visual experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Bionian? Or should we let it burn, baby, burn? Just let it burn. Let it simmer. Next week, we're going to be discussing a double feature, and we haven't decided which episode will come out first yet because we've got some Christmas uh, separations that'll be happening We do when we upload these. But we will be watching and recording and then releasing in an unrestricted uh, structure Alps from Yorgos Lanthimos, Dogtooth from Yorgos Lanthimos, and The Favorite from Yorgos Lanthimos. A Yorgathon. Yorgathon. I like it. And then we will also be watching and discussing At Eternity's Gate with Willem Dafoe. Um, you will be watching Roma from Alfonso Cuaron. And we will be watching Beyond the Valley of the Dolls from writer Roger Ebert. It is going to be hard to come up with a title for that episode, I think. Well, that will be episode <laughs> 21, so we'll be back or possibly uh-huh. episode 21, so we might be to the film spotting formula that you recommended for titles. I like it. We got good stuff coming up. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Run! Go! Get
to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.